Hey folks, we have definitely had some technical difficulties recording last night and even tonight. Um, this is the best we can do for this, this episode. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate your support. Welcome to the Basketball Buzz podcast, the show that combines three great things, Kentucky basketball, college basketball, and bourbon. I'm one of your three hosts. I go by Arizona Terry. You can find me on Twitter at Arizona T-Y-J-O. With me are Shay and Michael. Guys, introduce yourselves. Hey, this is uh, Shay, or I go by uh, Akshay as well, um, out here in Southern California. Uh, my Twitter handle, you can find me at, at ABovsar. That's B-H-A-V-S-A-R. And yes, yeah, Terry mentioned, we did we did record yesterday. We were hoping to have this podcast out for you guys yesterday, but I guess Terry needed an excuse to drink some more bourbon and talk to us. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and it worked. It worked. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is uh, Michael Simmons out in the Mile High City, Denver, Colorado. You can find me on Twitter at mg simmons 5280 that's at m-g-s-i-m-m-o-n-s 5280 well tonight we're going to recap the kentucky versus florida game the historic colossal collapse of duke versus unc uh, the uk lady cats amazing run to the win the sec we'll cover some other topics as well and like we do on episode, we will talk a little bit about bourbon but first Tonight we have, so joining us on the show is Michael Messer, UK basketball manager. Welcome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, glad I can be here. Well, you know, we don't often get celebrities on this show. And, you know, in fact, you're actually the first. But seriously, uh, I, I remember you from years ago. You were calling into KSR when you were younger. You know, tell me how all of that ended up as a manager at UK? Yeah, so uh, I grew up a big Kentucky basketball fan. Uh, my dad's family is originally from Kentucky. So, you know, uh, once you get involved with the Big Blue Nation, there's no really getting out of it uh, when there's family ties. And so I grew up a huge Kentucky fan, just following in my dad's footsteps. And uh, when I was about 12 years old, I actually made my first call into KSR. And, you know, my dad kind of knew that at a young age I kind of had a mind for basketball and I had a passion for it and my basketball IQ for a 12 year old I would say was pretty good and uh, so I just called into KSR give some analysis um, you know just say uh, have some comments for the game whatever it might be and I kind of blew up a little bit and uh, you know we ended up going to I think the, the SEC tournament in New Orleans in 2012 and there were some people that even would like stop me while I was out there in New Orleans and uh, asked like, are you Michael from Dallas? And I'm like, you know, that's crazy, man. Like even my dad would say that was crazy. So just some cool things. And so through KSR, I was able to meet a lot of people and it was a pretty cool experience just at different games or events or whatever it would be. And I ended up meeting some people that gave me the opportunity to work camps for the basketball team after my senior year of high school that summer going into my freshman year of college. And, you know, for, to be a UK manager, um, that's basically like your tryout for becoming a manager. And so I just made sure that I, you know, worked hard and I showed up early and I stayed late and, you know, people would even give me a hard time about 
showing up so early to things just because, you know, other people would be tired. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm tired, but, you know, I'm trying to prove a point and, you know, prove that I have a, the work ethic uh, to go in there and outwork anybody that could possibly be competing for the same spot that I am. And I wanted to make that a big point and, you know, just try and start it out with putting a good name out there for myself. And uh, so my boss now, uh, Mark Evans, actually called me after being done with the camps and told me that, you know, they had a, they had a, a lot of managers for that current year, but I would be able to, you know, if, if things went smoothly, my freshman year with school and everything else, that he would bring me on as a manager. And so, you know, I just kind of took that and ran with it and tried to make the best decisions I could make. And that's kind of what got me to where I am now. Michael, that's an awesome story. And thank you for sharing that. Now, for myself and maybe some of our listeners, we don't know the day-to-day work managers do. Can you kind of talk about the stuff you guys are doing for these games and getting prepared? Yeah, man. Uh, So, I mean, as far as basketball goes, it's definitely a lot of, um, you know, if a player needs to, if a player's trying to work out, you go in there and rebound for them or pass to them while they're getting shots up, uh, whatever it might be. And then, you know, during practices, uh, you're there just to kind of make sure that the flow of practice keeps going smoothly. And, you know, Bruiser Flint will preach that to you. Uh, you know, you're here to help the flow of practice. That's what he always says. You know, he's a great guy and, you know, he always is helping us out. But uh, aside from basketball, there's also the equipment side of things too. Um, Just making sure players have everything they need uh, as far as, you know, compressions underneath their shorts or, you know, an undershirt for their jersey, whatever it might be. Uh, And that's just kind of on a day-to-day basis. And then when it comes to games and stuff, we also – pack everything for road trips or just going up going up the streets to rough whatever it might be uh jerseys uh warm-ups you know shoes all those type of things that you know everything that a player might need while they're at that game uh, including like padded stuff or whatever case of injuries uh all that type of stuff as well um but i would say being a, a manager here is definitely something that has made me well-rounded uh because outside of, you know, the craft center and, you know, doing basketball things or equipment things, I, I mean, I've done anything from set up patio equipment to, you know, driving players back and forth to an airport or whatever it may be. You know, it's it's kind of just whatever is needed at the time, you just step up and get it done. You know, basically, it sounds like the managers do everything. I mean, what does Cal do? <laughs> oh, man, uh, <laughs> you know. With him, you know, he's uh he's getting paid nine million dollars a year for the reason, so he gets to he gets to call the big shots, and uh, that, that's just kind of how that works. Yeah, and I'm just joking, Cal. If you ever listen, sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, so this time of year, um, is there a lot more about this tournament time? Do you guys kind of feel that? Yeah, I would definitely say there's a different level of um, intensity. Probably the best way to put it. Uh, you know. Guys are locked in. Coaches are locked in. You know that there's a big task at hand, and you know staying focused towards that main goal that we're we're striving towards, which right now is an SEC championship and obviously an NCAA championship after that. But uh, I would say as you get down to the nitty gritty times like this, it's it's definitely time to lock in uh, and and make sure you're you're on top of what you need to do, and you know you're doing your part of of the big picture in itself. Michael, Rupp Arena is such a special place for anybody that's been there. It's even more special on senior night. Maybe the only thing 
more special than Rupp Arena on Singer Night is being honored in Rupp Arena on Singer Night. That described you. We, we all saw you holding up your frame number 48 jersey. Can you describe what that experience was like? Yeah, so, um, you know, growing up a Kentucky fan, you kind of get that feeling of uh, how special that place is and the history from within that place. And, uh, you know, there's there's a different type of feeling when you walk into that arena for the first time as a Kentucky basketball fan. And, you know, I was able to do that at one point, but uh, it's just something completely different when you get to walk out onto that court and your name is getting called and, you know, you're being honored in a place where 23,000 fans are. Um, it's it's definitely a special moment. Uh, I would say I was definitely holding back tears, just kind of looking up into the into the arena and just kind of taking it all in one last time. Um, so it was it was really awesome to get to experience that, and you know just kind of be honored for the work that I've put in here after growing up and idolizing this place at one point in time. And we all fight off the tears just watching it. I can't imagine being a part of it and not shedding a tear or two. Um, you know, so you're, you're there. You're there a lot. You spend hours with the team, hours with the players, with the coaches. Um, any favorite stories that you'd like to share with us? So I, uh, I was actually really, really close with Tyrese Maxey. Uh, that's my guy. And um, we still talk all the time. You know, he's from Dallas, so we kind of had that connection immediately when he first came. And um, so as soon as he came, he was really, really big on the breakfast club, which is just really early morning workouts. And, you know, early bird gets the worm and you're out there outworking people already before some people have even, you know, gotten out of bed that morning. So. And I, and I love that because I'm, I'm here for it. If the, if the dude wants to work hard, I'm, I want to be there and I want to be a part of it and I want to help him do something special with what he's trying to do. So immediately, starting when he got there that summer, uh, we did 6 a.m. workouts every single morning. And it would just be me and him in the gym, 6 a.m., you know, getting a workout in. And it grew to be like a part of my routine. And, you know, I had appreciation for that as well, just uh, – you know, thinking about what his future goals were and how he was going to achieve that. And I remember there was one day where I showed up about 15 minutes late. I overslept, immediately woke up, started freaking out, threw clothes on. I don't think I've ever gotten out of the door faster in my life because I was like, man, like I'm never late and I hate being late. So, you know, I show up about 15 minutes late and immediately when I walk in the gym, Tyrese hasn't even started his workout yet. And he's just got his phone in my face telling his Instagram story how I decided to be late that day. And, you know, that just kind of that kind of shows the type of person that he is. You know, he held me accountable, too, when really I didn't I mean, I wasn't going to play the NBA someday or anything like that. So, you know, I just thought it was funny that he's that type of guy like, oh, Mike decided to show up late today, you know, and it's just funny. So that's that's definitely one of the stories I'll remember for a long time. Oh, that's a great story. I'm a big Maxi fan. Great kid. Great player. Obviously doing really well in the NBA, too. So that's awesome. So, you know, about Cal. Coach O, because he's time here. What about Chin? What what, what you like? Man, Chin is the guy. Uh, his energy just contagious. Uh, you can't you can't step in a room and not know that Chin Coleman is in there. He's he's definitely loud, which helps a lot. 
Um, but just the energy that he brings, it's it's contagious for sure. And you can feel it throughout the entire gym when he brings the energy. Everybody else kind of rises up to his level. And I think that's a that's a huge thing. And, you know, on top of that, he's just really, really, really good relationship guy. Um, you know, obviously this program is a player's first program and that's what it's based around. But, you know, there's there's guys out there like Chen who, you know, even managers, he's there to build a relationship with. You know, he builds great relationships with us, players, all the other coaches. Uh, he's definitely a very positive all-around guy. Well, I tell you, I enjoy Chen dynamic. You know, they're going back and forth on the bench. They have some kind of heated discussions. Looks like it's a, it's a good working relationship, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that Obviously, like I said, Chin is that energy guy and it's contagious and he's going to be loud. I don't think there's anybody that could make him not be loud. Um, but I think, you know, he has his ideas. Cal has his ideas. Uh, they bounce them back and forth off of each other. And, you know, we figure out the best way to go out of situation to win games and, you know, do it that way. So I think it's definitely uh, – they can disagree to agree or whatever it might be, but it's always working towards a common goal of, you know, making our team the best it can be. That, that's good stuff. Thank you for sharing that. Just one final question. You know, what, what are your plans post UK? Um, so eventually I would love to be a college basketball coach. Uh, I think from the time I realized I, I, I really took in the reality of being a 5'10 averagely athletic kid, uh, and I realized I wasn't going to be playing in the NBA or the NFL. And uh, I knew that sports and specifically basketball was just way too much of a passion of mine to completely give it up. And I decided that I, I really would like to try and be a college basketball coach. Um, I think that being a college basketball coach, you have an opportunity to make an impact on people in a lot of other ways outside of basketball, which really interests me a lot. Um, that's something that, you know, I just want to help people and being able to do that through sports is an awesome way for me to be able to, you know, fit both of my passions into one thing. Um, but directly after Kentucky, I want to try and be a, a graduate assistant somewhere. That's just the next step uh, in my journey. So I'm not exactly sure where that'll be yet. Uh, I'm sure I'll start to figure out more as people's seasons are ending and things like that. But being a graduate assistant and, you know, just, going there, doing video, on-court player development, whatever whatever the program that I'm at might need, and then, you know, eventually assistant coach and then head coach someday. Well, that's outstanding, and I wish you the best of luck on your journey. We're going to be pulling for you. How, how do people find you on Twitter or social media? Uh, my Twitter is uh, at Michael underscore Dallas one. And uh, like I said, uh, I mean, people will ask me, like, oh, is your Twitter is your Twitter name because of, like, KSR now or whatever it is. Um, and it definitely did start from that, and I don't think I'm going to change it. But, uh, yeah, Michael underscore Dallas one on Twitter if you want to find me. Will do. Hey, man, thanks for coming on. Appreciate your help. And thanks for recording this twice. <laughs> we appreciate <laughs> you going through all that for us. Yeah, no problem, no problem. I hope I, hope I did just as good the second time. <laughs> oh, man, you did outstanding. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man, no problem. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. How good was that? Oh, that, was, that was just, come on, great great guy. Love his story. Love the whole background of KSR. I remember him on the show as a little kid, and 
look look at them now, man. <laughs> this is awesome. So, guys, you know what time it is? Bird time. Is, is the bird on? It's a night. <laughs> All right. So I'll I'll go first well before i before i tell everybody with the listeners what we're drinking i just wanted to raise a glass to all the the managers the the staff the tutors um you know the the academic advisors all the people around all the uk athletic program you know it takes a village uh to be successful it's not just the players it's not just the coaches so just wanted to take some time out and and uh, uh recognize that um and then now that that we've talked about that i i will say again yet again tonight i'm cheating on on bourbon a bit, but I didn't stray too far. I'm drinking the Bullet Rye, uh, which is very similar. If you like the Bullet Bourbon, you like the Bullet Rye. It's just a little bit more spirit forward. So um, I'm saving my my bottle of uh, Bullet Bullet Bourbon for game day. So I'm, I know I'm going to need quite a few this weekend, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, great choice. Uh, so I'll go next. I mean, I'm I'm having four roses, single barrel. So I buy this occasionally. You know, I, I definitely look for uh, the different sales and prices. And I would probably categorize this bourbon in that 37 to 47 range. Um, it tastes really good. I mean, it has all the different flavors, the caramel, the vanilla, little, little fruity. Like there's a little bit of raisins or apricots in this bourbon. Uh, I think it's a good bourbon. I highly recommend it. Sounds good. Uh, sounds delicious, actually. So uh, tonight I'm back into Angel's Envy. It's 86 proof and it has my name written all over it. Um, I think we're probably going to be pretty familiar with this bourbon. It's actually owned and made by uh, Bacardi Limited. So again, a name that, that we know and trust. Um, one of the interesting facts about this bourbon that I didn't know before I did a little research on it was that um, it is somewhat uh, limited in terms of uh, the quantity that's produced. Um, right now, Bacardi is saying that they will produce no more than 8,000 bottles of Angel's Envy a year. And I, I was a little skeptical of that until I, I looked at the, the label on the side, and it's marked as uh, bottle number 7,037. So wow. uh, I, I guess I, I got in just under the wire there. Um, it, it's a fascinating bourbon in that um, they put it into port wine barrels during the aging process, and it really enhances the the sweet and sometimes buttery characteristics. It, it's produced in Louisville. So, again, it's a Kentucky bourbon. It's a Kentucky straight bourbon. Um, let's talk mash bill. So how is this produced? It's actually 72% corn, which is a pretty high corn content, and that's probably one of the reasons why I like it. Uh, 72% corn tends to be a little sweeter. It's also 18% rye and 10% malted barley. Uh, the actual bourbon is aged between four to six years. And the last few months are the months that it's in the wine casks, um, again, to enhance that flavor. Um, it's, it's aged in French oak barrels imported from Portugal. And boy, does that sound fancy. Uh, but you'll appreciate that in the taste. Um, as far as the, the smells, when I stick my snout on it, it smells of maple syrup, also smells of vanilla and roasted nuts. Um, on the palate, um, I get notes of brown sugar, uh, a little fruit, uh, a lot of vanilla, which I like, um, and also a little bit of maybe bitter or semi-sweet chocolate. So uh, what I did tonight was I actually uh, ate a Hershey's Kiss. Uh, let that uh, linger in my mouth for a little while. And then I went into the Angel's Envy and it tasted even better. Um, I would consider this a top shelf bourbon. 
And I think it's much similar to uh, at least what I've had a Weller 12 year or maybe the Makers 46 that I love. And I think, Terry, you were sipping on last episode. Yes. Well, Michael, that was a beautiful job. I, I feel like I have a master's degree in bourbonology <laughs> after that. Well, well done. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. Bourbonology. I think you've coined a new phrase. <laughs> a lot of shit. That's what I do. So <laughs> I think we could, let's talk about basketball. We have a couple of great topics. I think first thing is the Kentucky versus Florida game. I have just a couple bullet points I'm going to make, then I'll turn it over to you guys. But I think it was the return of Kentucky's defense. I think Oscar flexes once again. And it was a game of runs. You know, we – Made a run, Florida make a run, the cat, and it kind of went back and forth like that until we got the W. Guys, what, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a stab at it first. So, um, of course, first things first, Kentucky did what they were supposed to. Uh, they won away from home, which is anything but given this whole college basketball season. You've seen so many top teams go down uh, playing away from home. I mean, SEC, one of the hardest places to play away games. So a win is a win, and we'll take it. Um, of course, we saw so many good things. We saw Oscar yet again uh, outplay Colin Castleton. Um, he put in a very good stat line, 27 points, 15 rebounds. We shot the ball well. Uh, we held them. Most First and foremost, we, we played well defensively. We held them to 41%, uh, 15 from three. We held Appleby and Daruji in check, and we kind of let Castleton get his. So usually with Florida, if you can, if you can hold Appleby and Daruji in check, Uh, the loss on the road so that's what I'm really excited to see now on the opposite side of the ball uh, where I kind of give the cats an incomplete was their offensive performance you know of course Oscar did what he was supposed to shot efficiently pull down rebounds but I would love to have seen a little bit more uh, spark from uh, uh, Ty Ty um, great thing about Ty Ty though is you know he is still going to give you other things when he's not scoring that's why he's a pro um, Toppin as well put in seven rebounds. Really, really happy to see that. But I, I would really have liked to see us at a at a plus plus five, plus seven, maybe even a plus ten rebound advantage, and maybe a double digit victory. Um, you know, we did also. I'll just finish up real quick. Last things that I, I saw that were really great is I saw Kellen Grady kind of uh, penetrate more, uh, be a more dynamic offensive player, not just settle for threes, but take what the defense gave him. Uh, drive the ball, use the floater, and uh, more, more, more than that. I saw um, no sa- sagging off Severe Wheeler, which is amazing. If if teams are going to play Severe Wheeler uh, and respect his shot, then you know this team's ceiling is a lot higher. All great points, Shay. I- I'm going to call this the Oscar game. Um, you know the one where he goes off for 27 and 15, and if there's any doubt whatsoever that he's Player of the Year, he seals that fate by scoring the first 11 points in the second half so the Cats could maintain some breathing room. Um, This overall was a very satisfying win for for me. Watching any conference road win against a a good team um, is a quality win, especially a Florida team that their back really was against the wall. They they were playing for uh, the ability to get into the NCAA tournament. Didn't get it, so now they're going to have a lot of work left to do in the SEC tournament. What I liked about the game, uh, as far as the Cats go, shooting 51% from the field, I, I, I rarely think we're ever going to get an L when we shoot 50% plus from the field. It just, it just doesn't happen. 
holding the Gators to 41% is also a good number, but uh, Shay, you pointed out 15%, three out of 20 from distance. Um, you know, w- when teams are shooting 23 pointers and they're only hitting three, uh, that's, a, that's a sign that you probably have and are maintaining a lead, and that win is going to come as a result of that. Um, I also really liked that Wheeler was aggressive. Um, last couple of games we've seen that he's been aggressive. He's created tempo. He's been fearless at the basket. Um, only four assists and did commit three turnovers, but I thought he still played really well and at times looked for his own shot. Um, next to Oscar's 16 field goal attempts, uh, Wheeler's 10 led Kentucky. So I, I like the fact that uh, he's able to get more involved in the game when he needs to. And that kind of leads me to Ty Ty. So I'm, I'm not too frustrated that Ty Ty was one out of six for six points because um, he does contribute in other ways. Um, he did have four rebounds. He led Kentucky with five assists. And even though he didn't get into the offensive flow, he didn't try to press it. He took what was given to him. And when the shots weren't there for him to hit, he was happy to, to play facilitator and distributor. And I think this is a sign – uh, this is a good sign for Kentucky because after 31 games in a season, um, you're really on to the next season at this point. And if freshmen haven't grown up to be sophomores now, um, that's a liability in the tournament. We don't have those liabilities with these cats, especially with Ty Ty. Uh, w- one more point in terms of, of this game um, f- from a fan perspective, it was great that Kentucky won. But I think uh, I want to give it up for Keontae Johnson. Um, if you remember, he collapsed during a game back in December of 2020 and hasn't played since, hasn't been medically cleared to play. He was out there taking the ceremonial tip-off, um, won the tip-off, took a couple of dribbles, uh, kissed the court as he left to a standing ovation. That actually gave me the chills. Such a talented player, such a good guy from every report that I've heard. And he's a member of our SEC family. And I thought this was a great moment for us and for basketball. Yeah. Great point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Keontae Johnson is a player I've been following for a long time. Uh, a lot of people don't remember, but he was teammates with Keldon Johnson. That's kind of how how old uh, he's been, how long he's been with the, in the SEC. He was teammates with Keldon Johnson at Oak Hill. And, um, you know, he, a really similar type of player, maybe even bigger, stronger, I'm sure the Kentucky staff watched a lot of him, and, and I know when both of those guys are on the same team, I mean, rest in peace to opposing rims. I, they both were tearing the rims down. So, um, I mean, he was a fantastic uh, player. He played basketball the right way. He was a smart basketball player. And I was really looking forward to continuing to watch him play. And I'm hoping that in the future we can, we can see him play, maybe even at Florida if he has eligibility or maybe down the road in the pros. And hopefully he gets medically clear, cleared. But, uh, you know, that was really great to see, and, and I'm glad he's okay. Um, and looking forward and hope, hoping for his uh, future basketball uh, uh, career. Um, I just wanted to go back to just one point about Ty Ty. You know, it, it, like you said, he, he's a pro because he does so many things other than score the basketball. But I think this next, hopefully three games uh, of the SEC tournament is going to be huge for him. Um, just from my minimal experience playing basketball, I remember that tournaments are really where you can really get in the groove. Um, you can, you know, if you have a bad game, you can make it up really quickly because you have a quick turnaround. And so I think the next three games, if, if he really can get on track, 
um, if he can really have those huge scoring outputs, he, it's going to bode really well for Kentucky going into the NCAA tournament. So I'm really excited to see that. S- same with, with Brooks and, and Toppin. If they can get back to get to producing the way they were before, um, you know, these, this team can be the, the team that wins and beats teams by 20 uh, instead of what it's been kind of, kind of recently. Great analysis. Um, you know, for the next topic, I think we probably should just take it down a little bit because, you know, it's mainly due to um, the, the flash flood warnings that occurred in Durham, North Carolina on Saturday. <laughs> and, you know, that's amount of tears that we from Cameron Indoor Stadium. I just want to say prayers up to Cameron Crazies. I hope they're doing okay. I hope they're but seriously, wasn't that amazing? I mean, UNC goes in there and wins 94 to 81, just tarnishing the whole day and his last game in Cameron. Michael, you're, you got a in uh, Denver who's a big UNC fan. Is he sobered up yet from all the celebrating? <laughs> uh, yeah, sobered up just enough to, to go out again tonight. Um, we we were actually texting during that game. And he was so excited, and I was so happy for him. Rarely do I ever root for Carolina. I think as Kentucky fans, we're never really put in a position that often to root for Carolina. But I always do against Duke, and this is the reason. Uh, Duke tears taste (laughs) so good. (laughs) Yeah, you got to bottle them. Um, You know, I I watched the game as well, and the first thing I want to say is – Despite all the whining, uh, respect to Coach K. I mean, he's one of the best that's ever done it. Um, he's worthy of all the acclaim. He's a great coach. Uh, he's the reason that we hate Duke so much because he's so good. that he, He's been kicking our butt in the recruiting trail. Um, unfortunately, last few times kicked our butt on the court. So it was very satisfying to see him lose to a team that we beat pretty handily earlier in the season. I was actually – Terry and I were there for that game uh, along with Matt. Um, yeah. And so – yeah, so it was it was real satisfying to watch that. Um, I think from from just the game analysis, um, I, I first I had no I thought no world was Duke going to lose tonight. Not because it was North Carolina, but I thought you know they had ESPN in their in their corner. They had had the referees in their corner, and I, I think uh, I'm going to give a little shout out to uh, Duke Update. He's a uh, a Twitter uh, he's a person on Twitter that is a, a Duke fan page, but he's really worth the follow. Um, he's very complimentary of UK, and he's he can be a very realistic fan. Um, he gives our, us our props, but he always thinks that Duke is going to lose, kind of like how I am always convinced Kentucky's not going to pull it out. And uh, before the game, he was he was real worried, and I said, "Oh, don't worry." I think a lot of us uh, were saying that, "Don't worry, there's no world they're going to lose." So, good thing that I'm not a betting man because I would have lost all my money right there. <laughs> I never thought that would happen. But um, getting back to the game, uh, I think. Duke's weakness has been their uh, guards defense. Um, and so what ended up happening is a, a lot of dribble penetration from the North Carolina guards where they would uh, dribble penetrate. Uh, Mark Williams, one of the better defensive players in the uh, in the ACC, probably the best defensive player in the ACC, would, would rotate over and Brady Manick was uh, open in the corner. And Brady Manick's not an amazing player, but what he is is when he gets hot, he gets going. There's no stopping him. And then Armando Baycott that we're, we're all pretty familiar with Armando Baycott. He, he had a game, you know, he really, really got it going that game, really asserted his will. He's an amazing rebounder. And so it's kind of what led to the, to the the victory. And it was kind of sweet to see, you know, of course, ESPN were just, 
all over Duke the whole <laughs> the whole week, and it was just amazing to see that 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 was ruined. I'll, I'll make a couple quick comments about Coach K. Um, I, I my personal opinion is he's an arrogant and pompous ass. True, and <laughs> I'll, I'll die on that hill, and I'm happy to die there. But you know what else he is? He's a winner. The yeah. man just wins games. He wins games. He wins championships. And he also wins gold medals. And I appreciate that. And I think basketball fans appreciate that and yeah. give him the proper credit for that. Yeah. I don't think that he's deserved the treatment that he's gotten from ESPN um, since he announced that he was going to be stepping into retirement. But here's where we are. I, I think the, the bigger question for me to ask is, why is it that he's so unlikable? Is it strictly a function of the fact that he wins games? I'm going to say no to that. There are plenty of people, coaches, players, sports is littered with stories of people that are winners that um, fans liked and adored. Apparently, Coach K is not one. And I'm going to suggest one reason. I think it's personality, and I think it really – um, goes back to his mentor, Robert Montgomery Knight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Th- those two guys are two peas in the same egotistical pod, and it's just hard to suffer them. Um, th- that being said, uh, again, Duke tears taste good, and I certainly hope that Kentucky gets another crack at Duke before this season's over. I would love nothing more than to be the school that puts that man into retirement. Oh, that would be sweet. <laughs> Amen. That would be true. Yeah, I'll just yeah. I'll just end that segment with what I always say on Twitter: When Duke loses, America wins. Yeah, America wins. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the ladies. I mean, Lady Cats, believable. We win the SEC title, forty-year drought. I mean, I was probably one of the folks back in January that was. I didn't know if Kyra Elsie would be coaching forever at Kentucky. Uh, the, the cast, did, they were two and eight at one point. Then all of a sudden they just crank off six wins in a regular season. Then they got into the tournament and they were still hot and they pulled off an improbable victory over number one, South Carolina and South Carolina's really good. And really ups was enormous. Um, thought, yeah, so I, I haven't watched the Lady Vol, uh, Lady Cats, sorry, <laughs> as much as uh, uh, others, and uh, I, I will admit, but I did, I did get a chance to watch recently in the SEC tournament, and I think the three game they run, the the, the run that they had, has been the, one of the more impressive than that you'd ever see, and I think the only really comment that I want to make is is Elsie and and Hubert Davis for North Carolina kind of been. Uh, in the same situation where people kind of wrote them off too early in the season. And you really see what North Carolina has done. I mean, they, they're what, 23 and eight, uh, 15 and five. And, 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 and the lady cats came storming back. And so it's really a situation where they both just really believed in themselves. The season wasn't over. They didn't believe the season was over as, as much as other people believe that. And that kind of just shows what, uh, what you can accomplish if, if you believe in yourself. And I, I really hope the men's team can, can really, use that as motivation and fuel and look at what they've done. And, and I know the men's team has been successful, but, but not, not look at like any game that if they're down that they can still win. So, um, and I'm wondering if Ryan Howard has any more eligibility. I think the men's team can use her next year. She's, she's definitely a baller. Yeah, totally. 
And, and by the way, last thing, it seems like we're going to have the national player of the year, both in basketball and on the men's side and the women's side, which is amazing, which is not, is, not talked is, about enough. Nope. We need to talk about it more. Michael, anything yeah. to share? Yeah. So, you know me, I'm a numbers guy. Let's, let's dive in. Let's, let's see how remarkable this win actually was. So at the 914 mark of the fourth quarter, ESPN's uh, win probability metric, don't ask me how it's created or what it looks like. I, I have no idea the inner workings. But that metric gave South Carolina a 98.7% win probability. Pretty with, high. Um, yeah. Well, check this out. With a minute 50, that win probability for South Carolina was still at 95.4%. So what Kentucky did was they managed to outscore South Carolina 21 to 7 in the fourth quarter. And they went on an 11 to nothing run to close out the last four minutes and 38 seconds of the game. Absolutely crazy. What that does for Kentucky is that puts them into some pretty rarefied air. Um, there are only two other teams to win four games in four days to win the SEC Women's Tournament. Uh, one was Vanderbilt back in 2004, and the other was Auburn in, two, in 1997. Um, Auburn did it as a nine seed. Kentucky did it as a uh, seven seed. This is incredible. Think about where we were. Ladies team was nine and 11 and two and eight in SEC play back on February the 10th. The run that the Lady Cats went on really orchestrated by Howard and Edwards. So Howard during the, the 10 game win streak, 21 points, seven rebounds, three assists. Edwards, 20 and a half points, nine rebounds, and a steal and a half a game. This was so much fun to watch. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw a comparison here. I, I think this was maybe as close as we've seen to what we saw back in 2008 in the men's SEC tournament when Georgia won five games in five days, the last three games in 30 hours. That was the tornado tournament. Uh, where Sunday out of games <laughs> went wild, unfortunately true. beating Kentucky on the way to a championship. Um, what, what our ladies have done has been remarkable. And, and one last comment about that. What's been so enjoyable for me to see is the love and support from current and former cats, um, NBA cats, cats that were there to welcome them back um, this is part of the Kentucky family. We talk all the time about men's basketball, and I, I think we need to spend more time acknowledging that there are so many other programs at Kentucky. Obviously, women's basketball is, is chief among them, but we have an athletic school, guys. We have a school that wins championships in so many different sports, SEC and, and on the national level. We are an athletic school. We're not just a men's basketball school. Facts, facts. Awesome. Uh, Shit. Anything more about college basketball in general? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, luckily, uh, I was fortunate enough to let my wife watch me. Let me watch uh, quite a few games this weekend. And, <laughs> and it was, uh, it was uh, a, a really good slate of games. Um, I, I kind of zeroed in a lot of the games that were uh, uh, teams were playing that were ranked or a slated at seeds ahead of Kentucky. So really focused in on um, Arizona earlier in the week when they played Stanford. Um, I, I watched, obviously, Duke, North Carolina. I watched Auburn a little bit. But the game I kind of really want to talk about a lot is uh, uh, Kansas versus Texas. So um, I know, uh, you know, 
it's been kind of frustrating that no matter what Kentucky does or how many times Kansas loses, no matter what, they're on the seed line ahead of us. It's either them or Auburn. They just don't yeah. seem to want to move Kentucky up. Uh, and the reasoning always comes down to, oh, they have more quad one wins than us or their, their record versus quad one is better. But Kansas really struggled against a very, very mediocre Texas team. I know they're ranked 21 in the nation. They're 21 and 10 in the Big 12. But really watching them, um, you know, you don't really get the feeling that they're uh, an elite team, maybe not even a top 25 team. You got to remember that um, that uh, they they're missing Trey Mitchell. He kind of went home. His dad's been saying things on Twitter about not being happy. Um, they were playing Devin Askew at point guard in overtime, and we all know how that kind of works and Kansas struggled. And that's probably the reason the Kansas won. And so just, just not, ha- not happy to see his teams ahead of us struggling and Kentucky not being moved up. Um, even though it's, it's the big 12, um, you know, moving on Purdue struggled with Indiana. And I know I've been, I've been a big uh, Purdue Homer. Uh, I've thought that they were really good just because of, of their personnel, but they struggled with Indiana, a very mediocre Indiana team, probably less than mediocre nine 11 in the big 10, only one by two. So, um, that's something to keep an eye out. I know they're they're pretty firmly on the three seed line now. Um, Oklahoma State beat Texas Tech, of course, by one. Um, and then another game that I want to talk about is uh, let's see who else. Oh yeah, Tennessee and Arkansas. So that was that was the game where Tennessee was actually just wiping the floor with Arkansas, and Arkansas stormed back and almost won it. So kind of shows you just the the strength of these SEC teams. Arkansas was one of the the hottest teams in the nation. Now it's probably Tennessee. That's somebody that each team we may see uh, in the SEC tournament. You may even see Arkansas upset Auburn. So uh, it just kind of shows you the strength of our league. Yeah, I definitely think the SEC is the strongest league. Um, I mean, Kansas, if they're playing in Lawrence and Worcester, they, they, t- they tend to have a lot of home cooking. And yeah. uh, they took care of Texas. I, I kind of predicted it. Texas until the last few minutes, and then Kansas. And that's what happened. So – but Purdue, Purdue has really frustrated me. I, I was big on them as well, mainly because of their they have so much size and they got some good players. But man, they just struggle. And uh, they, the Big Ten is a good conference, but I, I expected more out of them. Um, yeah, and, and just to add about that Texas Kansas game, I mean, uh, interestingly enough, David McCormick had a huge game. And got to remember that David McCormick mm-hmm. was a guy that really he's a, he's a big dude. He really struggled against Oscar. Um, somebody that could pretty much match him and outwork him in, in tenacity. Um, and, you know, if you know anything about the Longhorns, they, they, they really aren't a big team. Um, they have Timmy Allen, who's playing, playing like basically their power forward position, maybe even their center position. And he's really kind of like a two guard, small forward mold player. Uh, he's probably really been their best player this season, but he hasn't even been played particularly well. He doesn't shoot the three well. Um, and it's basically been him. And Ramey and Andrew Jones has really been carrying the team. I mean, Marcus Carr, we all know him from from his link being linked to Kentucky. And thank yep. God that we didn't get him. He's been pretty atrocious this whole season. I mean, he's he's won a handful of games with them, but he's kind of lost quite a few games for them. And they have Askew backing him up. They have Dylan Disu off the bench. You got, everyone knows he always uh he always cooks Kentucky when he plays, and he hasn't been playing really well for for Texas. So we have a lot of guys in Texas who are who are old but haven't really produced well this season, kind of a roster that isn't really well constructed, and, and Kansas had a lot of trouble with them. They held uh, uh, Oshai to eight points, one of 11 shooting, uh, 0 of 5 from three, and that's that's not really a one seed in my opinion. So 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like Chris Beard went to the transfer portal and just took anybody. <laughs> yeah. He, he tried to build a team. I mean, on paper, start of the year, I thought they were pretty formidable. But I mean, that, that yeah. team with Severe Wheeler would have been way better. Uh, oh, yeah. Not that he was considering them than Marcus Carr. I know. And, and our team with Marcus Carr would have been way worse. I agree with that. So. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Let, let's uh, talk about recruiting. Um, let's just go right into it. I mean, Sky Clark uh, decommitted to Kentucky. You know, Shane, you're kind of our recruiting guru. Give me your thoughts about this. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So um, first, before I say anything, I just want to say that Sky is a really great kid. Uh, he does a lot of great things for the community. People people love him. Everyone who interacts with him loves him. He's got a great family and, and, uh, and um, it's just really great to have him had, have had him associated with the program. But um, this is really something that we knew was going to happen for a while. I'm actually surprised it didn't happen last summer. Um, as you remember, Sky was very close. He was kind of like a Joel Justice recruit. Joel kind of has a, a love affair with West Coast kids like Johnny Juzang, um, a couple other guys that he brought out um, out here, BJ Boston. Um, and so it was kind of a situation where, where Sky, as you remember, had gotten injured um, uh, quite a few times. I think he had, he, had a, he had an ACL or MCL tear, worked his way back. Um, Sky, really good player. He was re really good player as a youth. He's still a really great player, and I'm sure he'll play high major basketball somewhere. I'm, I'm thinking probably like ASU or UCLA or USC. I'm thinking he goes out west back home to where he's from. But it was kind of a situation where I, I, I personally didn't feel he was going to contribute or be a big contributor until at least a, his junior year. And as you know, um, Kentucky is always asking for more production from their young players. So it wasn't a really good fit. Uh, especially since Joel Justice left. And so I know there's a lot of uh, scuttlebutt from people all over the internet. And some people are saying that, oh, it's kind of took the Kentucky staff by surprise. And it absolutely 100% did not. Um, the staff kind of knew this was going on. I think it was a situation where they didn't really want to give up on the kid while he was well, still injured. Um, and, and other kids kind of caught up with him. I think they both realized it was a better situation. He goes somewhere like, like an ASU, like a UCLA, where he compares really close to like Tiger Campbell, their point guard, where he can really take a year, take it two years to really get in the system and, and, and produce well. Um, it may even be a silver lining for Kentucky because I, I really do feel that now they can they can take a, a kid that is um, a transfer or maybe in a late uh, a late guy like Ty Ty Washington who kind of rocketed up the the rankings really late in the season. Um, I think that they'll probably take a combo guard out of the portal, um, someone who's already produced at the college level. Um, I, I actually have a have an inkling. I don't know any names, but I have an inkling that he probably they'll probably take someone from maybe one of the Kentucky schools that's already shown to be in that Davion Mintz mold, but probably with better measurables. Probably a very good three point shooter that can play the one and the two. And as you know, Casey Wallace, he can definitely play the one as well. And and we might even get Severe Wheeler back, and that would be kind of a best case scenario. I think mean, Severe Wheeler uh, um, has been improving his jump shot and and. Uh, and then, and then on the other other side, Casey Wallace is is a guy that's proven winner at the high school level. I think he he and pretty much a bunch of guys that are unranked got up to like the number one or number two high school team. Um, he's kind of reminds me of one of those guards that Baylor's always had. Those really good defensive guards that that are two way basketball players. So I think Kentucky is going to really really love him. Yeah, I wish uh, Sky uh, best of luck. I hope he does land in a school out west so we have the opportunity to watch him. Come mm -hmm. a sun devil, you know, forks up. We'd like to <laughs> Arizona for sure. Um, 
last segment, you know, Michael, you want to give us an update on Oscar's national player of the status right now? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that it's actually in doubt, uh, but let, let's try to sell it. So um, Oscar has been named uh, first team All-American by I can't even keep up with all the publications now, uh, including but not limited to the Sporting News, uh, National or SEC Player of the Year by USA Today. Um, all those accolades are coming in and they, they should be, uh, let's talk about why. So he has, uh, six 25 plus point games. That's the most since the 2016, 17 season. And a a guy who's doing pretty well for the Lakers right now named Malik Monk. That's, that's pretty good, uh, uh, people (laughs) to to keep company with. Um, he, he did have his 25th double, double. Um, which includes 13 in a row. He needs one more double-double to tie the U.K. record uh, from back in the 69-70 season, which we all understand would be Dan Issel. Uh, the, the horse is going to have to kiss that record goodbye pretty soon. Just by way of comparison, um, Oscar's 25 double-doubles, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, uh, maybe the two best big men during the Coach Cal era, um, only had 20, and I say only, um, both great numbers, but Oscar is blowing that away. Um, I, we're, we're also close to a U.K. single-season rebound record. Um, I think this is maybe one of the, the biggest records that is likely to fall. Um, Big Bill Spivey back in the 1950-51 season had a massive total, 567. Uh, second all-time is my um, guy from Owensboro, Cliff Hagen, with 528. Uh, right now, Oscar has 475, and he's averaging a little bit more than 15 a game. So what that means is he needs to continue that average for six games and play in a seventh. I guess in theory right now, we have nine games left, guys. We've got potential three in the SEC – and six more in the NCAA tournament. Um, I don't know how many games Kentucky gets. Certainly, I hope it's all nine. If it's nine, he blows this record away, and it's not even close. But I, I think he's still going to be able to get there. Um, I, and the, the Wooden Award is maybe the, the best individual player award for National Player of the Year. And I, I got to say, at this point, if, if Oscar doesn't get it, I think Coach Wooden is going to come out of his grave <laughs> and literally take back his award. Yeah, absolutely. I I just want to add in just a couple thoughts. Like, we all know it's been talked to death how much he deserves this award. How, you know, and, and I always ask Michael, like, every other day, how, what's the Ken Palm say about uh, who's the best player in the year of the year? And it's always been, been Oscar. But what the staff have done to evolve his offensive game, I mean, I really thought he was a garbage guy before the season started. And he was such a good, you know, just a garbage guy that he was going to score 10 points a game because of that. This guy has been – Oscar's been doing – you know, you see him doing drop stats. He's doing spin moves down low over his right shoulder, over his left shoulder uh, against really talented big men. I, there's been like a renaissance for big men this year. And the, to see them work with him to do that, that's that's amazing. I mean, no, no, that's not even mentioning his – his uh his 20 foot jumper 18 foot jumper that he's been doing i think he put out a tweet the other day that if the team needs me to shoot threes i'll shoot threes and so <laughs> that's it's incredible that he's he's gotten better as the season's gone on not worse yeah. not evened out gotten better as the competition's gotten better 
Yeah, he's not only an offensive weapon from the perspective that we thought he would be, which is let's go get an offensive rebound and put the ball back in the hoop. Like that, that was a no-brainer. But I, I think developing that 18 to 20-foot jump shot has meant that he is a legitimate player that you can run an offense with. Like yeah. he can be a first or second choice offensively, and, and when he's out shooting 18-foot jump shots, that opens up the lane. That clears out the floor. Mm-hmm. There are so many things, so many good things that coaches can do and draw up in the way of plays when that is something that is a possibility. And w- one more comment. You mentioned Ken Palm. Uh, th- this is how dominant a season Oscar Shibway is having. So Oscar's number one in the Ken Palm Player of the Year rating. I think that, that's a given. The number two player is probably a guy that we don't spend much time talking about, but we should. Keegan Murray from Iowa. He can legit play. But if we want to talk numbers, Oscar right now in Ken Palm has a Ken Palm rating of 1.884, and Keegan Murray is second at 1.562. If you're doing the math, Oscar's number is 20% higher. And wow. if we're putting that in terms of a game, that would be like a team winning a game 86, uh, 96 to 80. That is just wow. domination. Crazy. Yeah. And I think I think yesterday we talked about how, you know, Oscar's not really known as a really great pick and roll defender. He's not a huge rim protector, but those steals, the steal numbers that he gets makes it a question whether whether uh, you're going to throw the ball in against him when he's on D and then rebounding. I think me personally, it's maybe I'm biased because that's what I was good at. Mm-hmm. But rebounding is one of the best most important things in basketball, you know, rebounds, uh, they lead to points either way. They either lead to points on the offensive rebounding end or they lead to runouts or, you know, you get the ball back. So it's probably one of the most important aspects of the game. And I don't think it's an accident. You're seeing Kentucky be so successful because they have the best rebounder in the nation. Yeah. Shay, to, your, to your point on steals, um, we're, we're eight Oscar steals away from him cracking wow. UK's top wow. 10 in a single season. Unreal. Yeah, like, no we, we associate that with guards. Oscar is the nation's leading non-guard stealer. Wow. That man is is a pilfer of magnificent proportions. <laughs> without fouling, too. Without fouling. Oh, yes. Has he fouled out this year? Ooh, good question. I think I don't maybe think once. Out this year. I think maybe once. I, you know what? I, I also have a sneaking feeling that the uh, the referees really love him because uh, knock on wood because he you know he's a really fundamental player. Coaches obviously have to love. Him. I'm pretty sure Cal just oh yeah he's like, the best guy I've ever met because <laughs> like, he's a he's a fundam <laughs> big fundamental coach's dream and referees being like oh you know he plays basketball the right way you know back like it was 1960 <laughs> and uh, yeah. and. Um, you know, they, they, they've given him a very good whistle, you know, and I, I don't think I've seen him box out. I think he just looks at where the, where the, where the ball hits the rim and then does some math in his head and then figures out what the trajectory is. And it's, it's really amazing to see. And I hope he continues to stay out of foul trouble because that that's amazing. He's been able to do that, all that without, without, uh, without fouling. I, I think concern for Oscar is where's he going to start these awards? <laughs> There are so many. He's got. Well, he had that T-shirt come out today, so hopefully that helps oh, him out. No. Did you guys get yeah. one? I haven't got one, but I think I'm going to get something else from a Kentucky branded. Uh, I have like this whole stack of of Kentucky shirts I still haven't worn yet. <laughs> I know I have like a. <laughs> throw I'm, I'm probably going to snag one of those. I just haven't yet. Yeah, good deal. 
Well, guys, I think we covered everything. I mean, fortunate enough to have a nice guest host, uh, Michael Messer, come on. We've covered the Kentucky-Florida game and their awful loss. Uh, our women's team that's about recruiting, college basketball, and, and, and Oscar. And uh, where can everybody find you guys on Twitter? Yeah, so again, I'm, I'm Shay, or also go by Akshay. Um, I'm out here in Southern California. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at a Bobsar. That's a B H A V S A R. And, and just going to say that we're really sorry about the technical difficulties, but uh, hoping to have another episode this week uh, talking about the SEC tournament, kind of previewing what might happen after we find out who, who Kentucky's opponents are going to be. And, and um, uh, looking forward to that, looking forward to, to recording more with you guys and drinking more bourbon. Yeah, that, that's going to be great. Uh, this is Michael out in the mile high city, Denver, Colorado, you can reach me on Twitter at MGSimmons5280. That's at M-G-S-I-M-M-O-N-S-5280. And before I go, I want to give a shout out to the Norse of Northern Kentucky. As we're recording this, they're up 12 with 10 minutes left in the Horizon Championship. I feel good that another Kentucky team is going to be dancing. And props to Murray the big dance. First team yes. to get in and they beat our local school in Kentucky, Moorhead State, which is right down the road where I grew up. But go racers. Uh, you know, you guys can find me on Twitter. I go by Arizona Terry at Arizona T-Y-J-O. And once again, we thank you guys for all your support, and we appreciate everything. And uh, until next episode, keep sipping bourbon and go Cats. <laughs>